Hi. How is 2020 treating you so far? I know you're crushing it, and I wanted to share a special announcement with you. Now in our seventh year serving the design trade, Convo by Design is presented by Walker Zanger, an amazing company and an equally amazing design partner. I've been working with Walker Zanger since the show started, and I've loved working with them, and that's why having them as our presenting sponsor is is really fulfilling, and it's amazing for me. And I, I wanted to share, if you're not familiar, Walker Zanger was built on the promise to inspire designers and architects to do your best work. That promise is fulfilled every day through a commitment to provide simply the best ceramic, glass, stone, porcelain, and concrete surfaces and finishes available. This is a family business with over 65 years of global product discovery, sourcing, and manufacturing the finest products available. Walker Zanger believes strongly in serving the trade with a program to make the specifying process simple with the support you need. They've also been staunch supporters of the trade since 1952. Check out their newest collaborative line with designer Pieta Donovan, a collection of cement and ceramic tiles inspired by the patterns and colorways of the 1970s and created with a comfortable modernity. Walker Zanger is on the cutting edge of design, featuring products for every style and architectural feel that you can create. Check out any of their 14 showrooms across the country or shop online, walkerzanger.com. Hi, I'm Dan Mazzarini with BHDM Design, and you're listening to Convo by Design. I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design. This is a panel conversation from the West Edge Design Fair called The Firm Upgrade, part of the brand development series. It featured journalist Alex Abramian, Project M+, Cleo Mernan, uh, designer Jeff Andrews, and Xander Nuri's Kian Kajavi-Nori. This conversation is about growing your design or architecture firm's brand, your profile, and doing more, doing better, and increasing the productivity of your brand development. An afterthought for so many creators. This conversation was hosted by yours truly, and I do hope you enjoy it. By the way, just a note, if you didn't happen to make it out to the West Edge Design Fair this year, the Convo by Design Programming Lounge would not have happened were it not for the support of the West Edge Design Fair. So, Megan, Troy, thank you very much. And also, the design. The design was amazing. Three designers, John McLean, John McLean Design, Nicolette Akiko from Studio Akiko, and Kevin Isbell from Kevin Isbell Interiors, and also uh, Julia Wong, who designed the main stage. Without them, it wouldn't have felt the way that it did. And um, these conversations were emblematic of just the feel. And um, it was great. And if you missed it, make sure to come out this year. So anyway, enjoy this conversation. I know I did, and I hope you do too. Good morning. How's everybody doing? We good? Um, Thank you for coming out this morning. Greatly appreciate it. Welcome to West Edge 2019. My name is Josh Cooperman. I host and publish uh, Convo by Design, which is a podcast for the uh, design and architecture trade here in Southern California. You have some information on your, uh, on your chairs. Here's what I'd like you to know out at the start of this. If you like this conversation, and I hope that you do, um, subscribe to the podcast because everything from here is being recorded. The entire weekend, everything's being recorded, and you will be able to download uh, episodes of the podcast and hear these again. Um, and again, subscribing is free. It's everywhere you find your podcasts. 
couple other announcements. As you're leaving, if you wouldn't mind, there's a bucket on that back table over there. If you put your business card in as you leave, we're going to be doing drawings all weekend. You do not need to be present to win. Uh, and there's some great prizes, so please feel free. The, the panel that we have today that we're starting off with is brand development for creative types. The origin for this, we actually, I did this last year and it was really successful from the feedback and I've been getting requests all year to do something similar. So what, what I wanted to do is assemble an all-star panel that has some amazing insight with regard to brand development and basically creative growth for your design architecture, for your creative firm, whatever, whatever path you take. With that, I wanted to uh, start to my left with Alex and allow everyone to introduce themselves in case you're not totally familiar with who they are. Thank you. Hi, my name is Alex Abramian and I have been in the interior design world for a couple of decades, uh, mostly as a magazine editor and reporter. Um, I was the editor-in-chief of Angelino Magazine for five years and then went on to found Modern Luxury's Interiors Magazines that are now in, I think, six markets, nine? Plus. Plus. They're in Interiors Magazines are around the United States. Um, and then from there, I went on to become the design and real estate reporter for The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, about five years ago, I left full-time journalism because it's only getting harder and harder with all the changes in media. Um, and now I do PR for interior designers and real estate developers, and I still freelance write for a variety of publications. Hello, my name is Kian Nuri. I'm the co-founder and managing partner of Xander Nuri um, LLC. Uh, we are a full lifestyle collection. We recently launched in Solone in Milan two years ago. Uh, we also have a collection of furniture domestically uh, with Theodore Alexander. And uh, we are, our, our furniture is like scattered throughout the world from Russia, Japan, Malaysia, Singapore, uh, to various places in China. And I've been in the industry for, I think, accumulatively almost 15 years now, uh, ever since I was out of college. Um, recently, our new endeavor uh, with me and my business partner, Xander Nuri, our um, founding namesake, um, have started on a new endeavor to do product development and interior design. So I look forward to talking about that. I'm Jeff Andrews. I'm an interior designer here in Los Angeles, actually a choreographer turned designer, but I've been designing for about 20 years, and my firm is Jeff Andrews Design. And I have been getting more into product development over the last five years. So I have a, a furniture collection with A. Rudin and a rug collection with Mansoor Modern. I have a couple wallpaper collections and um, a wood surfacing collection, and I'm working on an outdoor furniture collection, so that started to take up a lot of my time, um, but I still really enjoy residential interior design, and that's where my main focus is. Hi, I'm Cleo Mernan, and I am um, co-founder of a multidisciplinary firm, so we do architecture, interior design, and branding. Um, I started as a graphic designer about 20 years ago, and um, have done a lot of branding 
focused projects over the years. Um, in our firm, my husband's the lead architect, so he's allowed me to work with him on many interior design projects over the last 10 years. So I creative direct a branding team and an interior design team. Um, and with that, um, I do a lot of work with other interior designers, developers, branding their businesses, anyone from entrepreneurs starting on their own to larger companies. Um, we just did a rebrand for Joybird, which has been an exciting process. And then we do branding for larger developments. Um, we've worked a lot with Kilroy and bigger developers throughout the city branding their properties. And so I have an interesting <laughs> background in that I've done a lot of graphic design and then work internally with interior designers as well. And. Excuse me, and that's that's what I love. And so we're not going to slow roll this. You came for you came for answers. And so we were talking about this with regard to brand development for creatives. And we've pretty much come to a consensus that nobody in this room, or in this hangar, or in this city, has the time that you wish you had to focus on your brand. What is so I'm going to start with, with you, Cleo. What is the, you see this every day. You create brands. You create stories for brands. What do you see, and why do you think it's always the last thing that is tended to behind the work? Well, I think the design for interior designers is in the photos, right? That's where the work is. That's where the beauty is. But I think everything supporting that is often totally ignored. And so I see a lot of novice, um, like just simple design mistakes in the graphics, in the presentations, in really generic looking logos, in bad typography. Um, just, just things that are not considered overall with interior designers, which I find really surprising because these are incredibly talented people doing really beautiful, unique work. And it's a whole part of their company that's ignored, which is this visual ID piece. Um, and it's really so easy once you kind of know where to start. Um, and I see it from small businesses starting out to larger brands too, just completely not understanding how a toolkit works or how to use it, how to create a compelling brand. Um, and it starts with your logo, but it's also all the different layers. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see. So Jeff, you're, you're known for, in addition to the impeccable work, you're also known for your brand. You're known for your story. Maybe because you had a, a creative endeavor before this, how did you create your story? And then, and then, how did you continue to develop the story over time and stay on, stay on point? Well, to me, your brand is just you. It's really just your aesthetic, your creativity, how you choose to put that out into the world, and, and how you market it. So I don't totally agree that it's all about a logo, I have to say. Like, it's really about, like, everything I don't think it's all about visual. a logo. Okay. <laughs> But it, it's like everything that you put into your, my, like the stuff I put into my work with my clients and how I listen to my clients and how I interpret their, their thoughts and their dreams into, into reality and through my own creativity. So 
it's all a path that's connected. So getting into like product design has been interesting because it's, you don't, like I didn't know at the beginning exactly what I wanted to say. It was really through, through like getting introspective with myself and, and looking at my past projects and looking at, for example, furniture, looking at furniture that I had custom made because I couldn't find it. And it was just in my own head. So I had to really put pen to paper and figure out what I wanted to say as a furniture designer or a rug designer or a wallpaper designer besides just being an interior designer. So the, I feel like the story's still being written and it's not, I don't think it, I, don't, I feel like it's not that calculated as far as like, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that and then this is how I'm gonna put it out into the world. It's really just kind of going within and, and doing what feels right to you as a creative and trying to for like put that into a business sense that's gonna let people know who you are. And I think that that's a great segue into, into Keon because you kind of you kind of run you run the business. Don't tell Xander this, but you kind of I mean you guys have a a good. I think that's one of the things that I found most impressive about the firm is you have a hard line. Of, there's a delineation between your role, his role, how you manage the firm, and from a business pers- perspective. Does that give you more freedom? And if it does, how, how do you... I'm, a, I'm big when it comes to story. You have a very strong story, and you guys have stayed true to the story from a brand development standpoint and how you, how you run the firm. Do you sort of... Do you shepherd that? Do you, do you keep an eye on it? Do you manage it? Well, we, uh, we have veto power on anything that the other one doesn't feel strongly about, but one thing we also um, hold true to ourselves, we know our strengths and our weaknesses. I mean, bet- the biggest joke between the, me and Xander is like, between, with the both of us, we make one good, decent designer, one good, decent, you know, uh, a businessman, and, you know, and so on and so forth. And um, we were very fortunate that we were able to start our company off with a launch of a collection of, uh, I want to say, 170 pieces uh, that, are, that were spread out through the world right from the get-go. And uh, one thing we really discovered, and it was like a contraction to us, was um, we, ha- we were approached by a bunch of different companies that wanted to work with us, but really didn't fit our brand. And that was when I had to kind of uh, pull Xander aside because he gets excited when he sees um, uh, like opportunities and potentials to like affect people's life. That's the reason why we both, and I think majority of people get in this industry, it's uh, to make positive change in day-to-day life. But um, uh, so we had to turn down a lot of business because it didn't ma- fit the, uh, the brand identity that we were developing and the integrity would have weakened. So uh, to go to the business standpoint of it, what we've kind of created at first was a side business with doing ghost designing for, if anybody's picked up a veranda, architectural digest, um, El Decor, House Beautiful, you've seen one of our products in there under a, uh, a big branded company, but we get no credit for it. And that kind of has, I'll get into that later on, but that's kind of where we kind of split part of the sea and made the difficult decisions, um, staying in our own respected uh, strengths. And here's what's interesting. As, as creatives, designers, architects, graphic designers, artists, whatever your creative endeavor happens to be, you you have a good idea what your story is in your own head. Then the challenge is learning how to share your story, and nobody probably knows that or hears that better than 
what you all strive for, what you desire is coverage, right? You want coverage. So now you've got a reporter, you've got a journalist who wants to hear from you what your story is. And then you sit down with Alex. Would you say most of what you hear is a, is a concise story from creatives? What do you hear? Good, bad, ugly, otherwise? Do you, do you get good stories or do you get kind of like, here's what they think you want to hear? I think um, most of the time I get, um, so I get pitched a lot of home projects or elements of home projects from interior designers. So um, someone like Jeff has finished a project and maybe there's a big name behind it and that's a different approach where he and his PR team are going to strategically kind of decide who gets this project. But those are few and far between. Most early or mid-level um, interior designers may not have a huge celebrity, and the whole shelter publication world has changed so much over the past 10 years. Arc Digest only wants celebrities, and it's very limiting if you have a great project. What I find is people want to pitch me the project, and when I sit down and talk to them, um, the project may not be the most interesting part of the story. And once, I don't care who you are, if you, uh, anybody in interior design, once we get going, you're, everyone is sitting on an amazing story, but they may not recognize, they may not know what it is because there's a lot of focus, understandably, on getting coverage for a house. So one concrete example is I was interviewing an interior designer in San Diego, and it was a nice house, um, but I couldn't really, it looked like a lot of other modern farm homes. So we kept talking and talking. And then she told me that um, her clients all imagine that they're the next top chef. And they think that they're an amazing home chef. Maybe they are. And so she designs kitchens based on a little bit of this fantasy of the chef that they're going to one day become. And then now, now it was an interesting story. And there was something to say about this farmhouse with two islands and multiple convection ovens and all of this. So I feel that um, the stories are always there, but sometimes it takes a little bit of teasing to get, out of, to get it out of someone. It's so true. And, and what's interesting, too, is coverage comes few and far between. You don't always get what you want. You know, if you have if you have that perfect job and you got the perfect celebrity behind it and AD wants it, then, you know, it's, it's great. It might be six months down the line and you still need to do things now. I'm curious, the same, the same process, the same method for storytelling. So Cleo, you're, you're in a unique position, right? You're a creative director, you do a lot of branding, but the firm is also a creative firm on, in its own. How do, you, how do you create the story? How do you promote the story? How do you market the story? How do you develop the brand for, for your own firm? I think when I start with a branding project, I ask the client a lot of questions that they just may have never asked themselves before. Like, why are you doing this? You know, why are we here? What matters to you? And I think you can tease out a really personal story by just sitting down with the designer and, um, yeah, asking them some pretty pointed questions that maybe no one's ever talked about with them. What matters to you? Um, where do you, like, 
What's your favorite hotel? Why? Where do you go to restaurants? Like or culturally, even, where are you from? Or even something that they haven't even thought about, and that was like, well, we do similar situations when we ghost design, but and I didn't mean to interrupt, but uh, no. <laughs> in in the sense that you kind of open their eyes to something like, oh wow, that's an important question we've ignored for decades. Uh, so yeah, who's your ideal client? What's your dream project? And I think if you kind of open it up to the bigger questions, you tease out some really beautiful stories. And I think no one's really, sometimes you're just so focused on the client's vision that you're not focused on your own vision or how you got here. Um, okay, so that's, you know, in, that's interesting too because... Um, Thinking about like the branding elements of like a design firm or or your brand or just aesthetic because I, I I just released a book this year and that was a crazy process and I worked with a designer on that and it was he did that he he did that kind of interview that you're talking about and we talked about how I wanted it to look like what I wanted to put out there not just the projects or the pages but how I wanted it to read and how like I wanted it to tell stories without just being like a a book of, of like Pictures. a portfolio. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so that was a really introspective kind of process that I think what you're, what you're talking about. And it was interesting because it really did pull things out of me that I wouldn't have necessarily thought about just in my everyday, like doing a design project. I did that with uh, Ted Muling. We did a book together and we just sat down for weeks and we cut out pieces of paper and, you know, he's all about contrast and nature and there was oh. I have that book it's so beautiful <laughs> well something Mewling. something else that I that I just wanted to throw out there and personal experience so I had a chance to interview Jeff for the podcast you've been on the podcast um, but I had a chance to interview Jeff at um, LCDQ Legends this year did you first of all did you do that in support of the book? Would you have done that otherwise? No, I did it mostly in support of the window that I did. Yeah. Which and I, I did in support of the book. Okay, <laughs> okay. And we'll get to that in a minute, but I, I love the window. It was fantastic. But here's what was really interesting. And here's what I'd like to encourage all of you to do. Know your story. Be prepared to tell your story everywhere you go to anyone that'll listen. What I'd also like to encourage you to do is to be hyper aware of your surroundings. So here's the story. So we were at Dragonette, and as, I'm, as I started interviewing Jeff, Patrick had this bell on top of the door, and people are coming in and out, in and out, in and out, over and over as they're setting up the window, and the bell keeps, keeps ringing. I, Jeff was in the middle of a story. I didn't want to interrupt you. He stopped, he stopped me, he said, hey, you know what, can we hold, hold for just a second? Can you guys just stop, give me five minutes, stop coming in? Because he realized something. He realized that this is and his- he was controlling? Huh? That he realized he was controlling? Well, you knew that. But he realized that this was the presentation. I'm recording it in audio and video. It's gonna be on YouTube. It's gonna be, it's gonna be out there. He wanted his story to be heard without the bell ringing in the background. Seems stupid, I get it. it it's really one of those small trivial things, but he understood that that would be a distraction and he didn't want that there. I encourage you, know your story when, you know, and I will, we'll get back to this in a minute as far as when you sit down with people to tell their story and to write about them. 
I'm surprised sometimes, and I'm curious if you are as well, when you sit down with somebody to talk about a project and they don't have clear and concise ways of explaining and expressing their thoughts that went into the project itself. Like, you find the story by bumping into it, not because it was already preconceived. Right, well, every designer's um, most dreaded question is how do you describe your style? You know, uh, because it's, it's a hard one to distill, and I, I appreciate that, and maybe your style is really contingent on the project, or maybe you're a designer who's hired just because of one specific look. But that's a question that most people dread and stumble and say, can I email you back? It's a hard question, but it's necessary. And as because that's because that it is a difficult question, it's like a it, it's something that we have to think about all the time. And people are always looking for a designer to have like a signature style, yeah. which can kind of trump, trip you up because you're trying to reinvent it all the time and make things different. But back to what you were talking about before too, like because we've you've interviewed me several times, and I think what makes you really good at it is you you get you don't just say, well, why did you do that? Like, well, why'd you pick that color? Or why'd you pick that tile? Like, you want the story, you want the juice, like, you want the, like, what went down during the process of getting you to, you know, these, these beautiful pictures that are just pictures. I think, um, thank you, and I think designers also, one way you can go about it is kind of sculpt away what you aren't. And that's really useful when you're telling your stories. Like, what, what are you not? If that makes any sense. I think, I think that helps. too, if you look at some of your competitors, you can say, what are they doing well? Like, why am I drawn to them? And, and then you can say, but what are they missing? And how am I different? And those are really, like, that series of questions are really good just to answer for yourself and put in your brain, like, right. oh, um, so-and-so is an amazing designer, but where are the gaps and how can I you know, how can I express myself in a different thread? It's right. so funny you say the missing part of it because a lot of times... <clears throat> When we go to uh, companies when we're doing the ghost design, which is, it started off as a side thing, now it's becoming something we love and we have more fun with because we can do multiple different directions of design. But they'll always say, walk around our showroom, look at our catalog, tell us what we need to be perfect as a, like a test to us. And we, we think of it as storytelling. So it's not necessarily what you're missing, that, that dynamite cash and carry table or the, the number one selling chair. It's about how you can weave in another piece within the same realm of the story of uh, the fabric of their corporation, their heritage, their, uh, their, the, the essence of the company. And uh, what we like to do also is develop their, their, the, the names of it, the storyline of the pieces, kind of tie it back in. And the sad truth is, especially when you do products, uh, uh, you design the piece and then come up with a story afterwards on some occasions. And sometimes, literally, you walk down uh, the, I don't know, past the Art de Triomphe or the Champs-Élysées, and you see something, that's a chair or that's something, which is far and few between, but that happens as well. That's very similar to like my experience in doing like license collections because it's, it's an established company that already has an image and a look and a vibe and then they're coming to a designer to do like a capsule collection that's gonna have like my aesthetic but still has to have theirs. So it's sort of, it's, it the always marriage. starts with, yeah. yeah. And it always starts with what do you wanna say? Where, where, what are you inspired by? What, you know, and that's when you kinda gotta go within and no, I figure completely it out. agree. And we, we take the same approach. Uh, we've kind of changed gears of our company to 
take less interior design, more like from the ground up projects, maybe one or two versus five or six that we did before. And we, we see what they had before and we kind of marry what they have so it, it still has that uh, needle and thread of their story of life in their new environment. And uh, just making sure that goes. So we kind of do like a carte blanche approach from products to interiors as well, which I know everybody else but I'm curious. Why did you decide to pivot? And did the pivot affect the firm? Was it, was it a financial decision? Was it a passion decision? Um, to go to product development or? Yeah, well, so, so to go into product development more so than design. Um, I've been doing interior to interiors for 13 years on my own. I, I'm not one of those, uh, I, I'm an unknown person. I get referrals from word of mouth, uh, mainly because I just like to make people happy and my high is seeing them happy. And when they're happy, they refer me. So that makes me even more happy. Um, but uh, what happened was uh, uh, my business partner, Xander, was the creative director for a prestigious, prestigious uh, firm in Los Angeles for eight years that worked, and he's worked with companies from Walker Zanger, Roll, uh, Kravit, uh, Theodore Alexander, and so on and so forth. We had, I think, nine other licensing brands. And when he decided to leave, it opened an opportunity for us to um, kind of change gears and go in a passion project for him and marry the two of our passions together. And that's how we ended up going there. And to tell you the honest truth, product development is not really what it's cracked up to be um, in the sense that you, you just don't go and swoosh a couple of lines and they make it and everybody loves it. You really need to take in consideration how many things you can fit in a container. Uh, what is the price point? You're, we always start with a dollar amount that's given to us and then we design backwards. What materials can we use? Where is it being sourced? What country? If it's India, which factory? Um, and uh, so on and so forth. And then out of that, the very last, as I would say, the last 15% of it is how do we put our mark on it to make it designery where it could be at a, a, a price point where it's obtainable for people if we're going low or if we're going highbrow, um, something that is warrants making it like a $75,000 dining table. So kind of in between the two. It's interesting that you throw out that 15% too because that's something I tell my clients. I said, okay, so... I say like between 12 and 15% of what you're doing in your workday should be about how you promote your brand. So just carving out that time to really look at your week and all your deadlines and say, okay, so, you know, I'm going to try to aim for 15% of what I'm doing is to showcase my work tell my story, add it to social, reach out to the people that I want to talk to, maybe send an email to someone I want to work with. Like, and you kind of forget that marketing piece, especially when something's coming to you. So your, your brand can kind of go sideways because you just take what comes instead of pushing out in the direction of intention. So just finding that time for yourself and crafting that intention for storytelling, I think, is really important. It is. See, it's funny because over the last seven years producing the podcast, when I, when I speak to designers and architects, I'll, I'll ask you, what's your time like? What's your day like? What's the week like? How much time do you put into this, that, or the other thing? What's really interesting is 
And I've got a pretty good number right now. You guys are spending between 110 to 120% of the time you've allocated for your business doing your business. What does that mean? It means you're taking time from your personal time, from your you time, from your kids time, from your vacation time. I would love to see a show of hands who in this room doesn't pick up their phone or answer emails on the weekends. One, two, and a half. Yeah, okay, so I got three of you. I do it too. And if you would ask me as part of the job, should you be working on the weekends? No, I want to coach soccer on the weekends. I want to be with my kids on the weekends. I want to, I want to go to galleries. I want to go do my own stuff. I don't want to work on the weekends, but we have to because that's what we have. Now, to your point, guess what? You're all publishers as well. If you have a social media site, if you have a website, if you post to Facebook or Pinterest, if you still got your MySpace page, God bless you, you know, but if, if, you're, if you're putting up images on Instagram, you're a publisher. What people see is representative of you and your work. I am stunned, and I, I want to talk about this too, some of the things that we see out there, I don't want to focus on the negative. I want to ask you guys, because I think the two of you do a remarkable job promoting your brands in social. How do you find the time to write it? How do you find the time to use the images? How do you find the time? Do you delegate? Do you craft your stories? Do you have an editorial calendar that you use? Most people don't, by the way. So, But what do you, what do, you do to have that presence and make sure that that presence is both on brand and consistent with who you want to be? You, you, I'm the first victim, I assume. <laughs> Uh, but uh, so uh, uh, our aesthetic and style is if Milan, Paris, and the Middle East had a baby, I feel like that's our version of modern. Okay, that's a story. Okay, I just want to point out that's a story. You can tell someone that in 15 seconds, and I think everyone gets it. It's kind of weird, but it's a story, and I, it, or I get it. Or it could be very horrifying. Depends on what side of the table you sit. But um, so what we we were trying to set ourselves uh, apart from a lot of. I don't want to say competition, but friendly fire uh, with other uh, brands in, their, in the same genre of uh, design, of modern side of the aesthetic. So what we did was, instead of just posting uh, projects and uh, furnishings, we, we try to do the inspiration shots that we really actually gather to develop this stuff, but we don't state that, oh, the, 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 the fretwork of the, the, the bed came from this architectural element or um, one of our Zaha Hadid's buildings inspired this table. Uh, we just sh put the shots and it looks like, I don't, a hodgepodge of stuff sometimes, but uh, it also, I feel like over time, uh, when you layer them, it kind of explains your aesthetic as a whole. And whether it's color, texture, architectural elements, or furnishings, and even also we, we kind of incorporate our day-to-day -day lives into it uh, because we've discovered that people want to see how we live our lives and how we interact with the pieces that we're doing. Um, so we, we kind of, instead of posting constantly uh, random stuff, we go methodically and we, every trip we go, we take around three to 4,000 images and then I sit down and I go through every single one and then I, I, I it, it's really tedious. And then Xander does a little bit of a blurb and I edit it and between the two of us, we have a baby. Um, uh, and that, that goes on Instagram for better or worse. But uh, <laughs> that's how we, we approach the, <laughs> the pig, I guess. That's so cool. Like mine is definitely not that cool. Uh, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> it, Cause it can get confusing to me 
you have like an incredible people I follow. Ins- you have an in- incredible page, so I'm, I, I highly, I would love to hear what you oh, think. I, I always get confused when I follow other people or I look at other people's sites and they're posting other people's work, right? But you're not doing that. You're, you're posting your own inspiration, which may be someone else's work, but that makes so much sense to me. Uh, with, some, with that being said, I don't want to be completely... We do a, a post uh, sometimes other projects, but it has to be something that's like... It's like a mental orgasm of beautiness for us that we're like, can you believe what they did? And, oh my God, that's so gorgeous. I feel like, an, like a piece of junk compared to them. But we, we do that and we make sure we notate that as much as possible right. in there. But I just... I, I, I only post my own stuff. I just... And I don't... We don't put that much thought into it. Like, there's... I don't... Ha- I wish I did have that much of a, a story behind it. There's really no story. It's just, it's just images of things that I've done or sometimes behind the scenes stuff of work that's in progress or you know events that are happening. I don't post that much personal stuff because I feel like people really don't care. Like they're following me for design and they want to see design and they want to see pretty rooms and that's kind of as, as far as it goes for me. Like I don't, I don't think I take it all that seriously. Um, yeah, I mean, this is <laughs> the question, right? It's so hard. I, we only post our own work, too. I feel pretty strongly about that. But there are things that you can get inspired by, like an artist or an art piece or a vintage piece of furniture that could be the starting point for a project. And those are things that we're trying to, like, post more of. I also, like... Um, we have a photographer on staff, so we try to post pictures of palettes and take our time when we're building materials to beautifully photograph them, and I feel like people respond to those things too. And then I think just tagging you know, everyone that you possibly can and crediting, and um, I think that really really helps. Um, we use Planoly. <laughs> I don't know if you've used Planoly, but it's kind of great. Like if you do this 12% model, you can literally spend an hour on a Monday, push all of your posts into Planoly, caption them, and then maybe just go on every day and respond to the comments. So having a software that just a tool that helps you stay on top of it, I think is really helpful. You're going to have to help me when we leave here because that, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sounds cool. Planoly is a good product because it makes it like it editorializes your image. You can image. see the grid, right? And, yeah. But it, it, the whole layout, it makes it look more like a magazine. And they have a really nice calendar, too. So you can organize it like, okay, Monday we're going to post a picture of a project. Tuesday we're going to post an inspiration image. Um, You know, Wednesday. So you can kind of figure out what the days are. And then if you do a little research, like for each day of the week, there are very huge trending hashtags. So, you know, tag your work. Um, it's a process, but in Planoly, you can save all your tags, so it duplicates them on every post. So if you're tagging similar tags every day, you can duplicate all those tags, and you can make sure that they, they you know, they're a couple steps down from the main caption, but they're always tagged, hashtagged. What else do you have? I, I, I just I love this. What, what a, you know? And I love that too. My my hope when when putting these panels together is I'm trying to think for you, and I'm trying to think what do, what do you want to know more about? And when I hear something like that, that actually makes it a little bit easier. I kind of dig it. Um, any others? I mean, um, this is was interesting to some clients. I 
in terms of time management. <laughs> I know this sounds crazy, but branding is something, marketing, you, you have to find time for. So we started doing this about a year ago, but I only take meetings on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, I, those days are very busy, but I also am a designer. You know, I own my own business. I do a lot of different things. You might do those things too. And I want to design. I want to get my hands in there. I want to work closely with my team. So Tuesdays and Thursdays are my meeting days, and Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I work. I do the real work. Um, and then every day I have creative check-in times with my team, because I have you know, six designers on my team, and so we take time to share our process and we try to work together. So those are also in our calendar, which is really helpful. It reminds me, like, I need to see what they're doing, and I, you know, um, and those are always my favorite conversations of the day, getting away from my desk and doing those creative check-ins. I like that, too. <clears throat> By the way, all of our clients, I'm sure, when they want to meet you on a Monday morning at 8, you're going to say, no, 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 sorry. <laughs> Tuesdays and Thursdays are the only days I, have, I take meetings. I, I get what you're saying, though, but it, it's a great idea. Switching gears a little bit to publicity. It's, boy, publicity. It's one of those things we, we all wrestle with it. We all fight with this concept. Unless you've got the perfect project with the top celebrity and their movie's coming out, and so you can say when that project's gonna, gonna get coverage or when it's gonna hit the... From a publicity standpoint, it's hard. Give me... I love that you're sort, you sort of come from both sides of the equation. So you provide publicity, but you've also done editorial. So you, you've got, you get the give and the get, right? What, what demonstrable advice can you sort of throw out there that, that may help a creative get, work, get coverage on a project that maybe doesn't have the perfect celebrity and maybe it's not the perfect project, but maybe they can craft a story. What did you see that always made you want to cover something? Right. Um Okay, so in, in a strange way, this is a really good time to get coverage, and here's why. Um, most publications, the staff is completely threadbare. You have beautiful magazines with two people behind them. And what that, when I started out at Angelino, I would go to events, I would go to homes, I would go to showrooms, I would talk to people. Now editors can't leave their desk because they're doing everything. They have to produce a print magazine and a digital magazine, and the deadlines are brutal. So I feel like it's a decent time, sort of a unique time, to reach out to them, because I will still get editors, I mentioned this to you when we spoke last, I'll still get editors and they'll email me, they're like, I need a colorful home in Los Angeles. And that, that's how stressed they are and how little time they have to do any form of outreach. And here's the other thing I know. Very few designers are reaching out to editors. Very few real estate agents are reaching out to editors. You think every, they're inundated? They are inundated with certain things, but they're not inundated with hearing from the actual person. Um, and if you don't have a completed amazing project, you can tell them what's going on in the world. And they, I guarantee you, do not know because they're not at West Edge because they can't get out of their office. You can let them know what you see here. You can be their conduit to what's happening in interior design. Um, so I think that's a really good time to 
to get publicity um, in print, in digital, in local, in national, and even international. It's a good time. What is, what is your philosophy? What's your theory? How do you approach your methodology publicity versus marketing for the firm? I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like they go hand in hand. Do they? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, you put a certain amount of time and energy and money into, into each area. I've, I've had the same publicist for 15 years. So um, I've just, I feel like stick with one thing. And it's become easier as I've, you know, been able to have more press and more published projects. And then with my book coming out, like that's, that's certainly helped. But it's, 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 it's like keeping your relationships going with every level of editor and keeping those relationships strong because you never know where someone's going to end up, right? You never know where, they, where they're going to end up ever. And even the smallest things, like when, when, when editors call me for like a quote on something or what's your favorite white paint or, you know, what's, give, send me a room that's like got crazy wallpaper in a powder room. You know, there's these little things and there's so, so much of, of everything that's going on publicity-wise is online right. and, and happening within social media. So it's super important to pay attention to every little thing that comes your way and really like... You know, doing doing things like this, or or even just like with with the release of my book, and touring around with that, and doing signings and doing talks, and and getting one on one with other designers, which I haven't done that much of in my in my career. Like, I've just kind of had my own firm and done my own projects, and been which is the best. That. that is, I, I feel like that's I mean, that sounds terrible for me, but I, I think it that that's a really good thing that you insulate yourself in a way that you stay fresh and true to your own brand. Yeah, that's true. But, but there is something really cool about, about just talking with people like younger designers and people that are coming up and, and people that, that have respect for, for established designers and they, you know, they want to kind of fashion their career off that or, or, or do things the way that you're doing them. And it's really interesting to kind of sit back and, even just just writing a book and, and putting a book together was a process that made me really look at like wow I've I've done more than I than I thought I had done and then talking to people and sharing your your knowledge and 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 how you got to where you are and what you're doing and how it's never really over is 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 a cool experience I think it's something that that there's definitely value to it. Um, there is um, another opportunity. Um for uh, California-based interior designers to reach out to all of the interior design magazines and lifestyle magazines in California. So unfortunately, a law has just passed, I think it's called AB5, which is passed in California, goes into effect on January 1st. It's ostensibly to protect uh, contract workers um, at places like Uber. Um, It will force companies like Uber to make them full-time employees and give them medical benefits. But what it has unwittingly done is decimated the freelance uh, writer population in California. They're limited to how many pieces of work they can contribute to a magazine before that magazine would have to hire them. So a lot of magazines right now are no longer accepting any freelance pitches, which is pretty serious to the whole interior design world. However, for an interior designer or a product designer who um, wants to reach out to these magazines, I would really encourage you to consider a first-person story about a house, about trends. This will not go on the books as a freelance expense. 
Um, and these publications are really desperate to fill pages right now because the primary supplier of these pages has now gone away until this, this is just yet another massive correction as media tries to find its legs with the, you know, disappearance of print advertising. So interesting opportunity for interior designers. I love that you brought that up. Did I also mention that I'm the associate publisher of Interiors California Magazine? I, I am. And I, I've seen that. I've seen it firsthand, in-house, exactly how that happens. And so I think that the point is, and I would, I would really, I would highly suggest this to you as well, whoever you meet within a, pu a publication, any media company, give them your card. Mm -hmm. Tell them, engage, tell them the project that you're working on. Tell them what you have going on. And say, hey, by the way, if you ever need anything, I did this a couple of years ago. It's, it's kind of, it, maybe it makes no sense at all, but a couple of years ago, I decided that I was just going to say, I was going to say yes to every project that I was approached to do, every interview. I was going to find a way to make the story work. So I said yes to everything. It was an exhausting year, but what it did was it gave me access to people that I, I might not have ordinarily engaged with otherwise because of whatever I was thinking about at the time didn't necessarily match with what they were doing. So that's how we met, huh? No. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. No, I've known you guys far longer than that. But it's true, I did that, and it was really interesting. And, and I guess the, maybe the, the moral of that story is sometimes, no matter what level you're at, sometimes it makes sense just to engage with people that you may not have an ulterior motive or you may not have that, just to put it out there and see what happens. Yes, no, yeah. do you do that? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I didn't used to, but I've, I've gotten more comfortable with it. And it's sort of liberating, actually. Like, just, you know, learning to listen and not just, you know, go through your day and talk, I guess. Not a big talker either, but, um, yeah, I feel like it's, there's tons of value in that. We, as a firm, I just want to touch base on something. Haven't had the, at the beginning, hadn't had that much positive luck with getting publications. And one of the biggest impediments was because the editors knew us from these name brands and they see us in the showrooms and they, they knew that we had a connection and those big brands do lots of advertising in their magazines but because of our uh, non-disclosure agreements we could not be mentioned as being oh the ghost designer or have any affiliation with these so they would drop our project not because they didn't like it or it didn't work but they can find somebody else that had an affiliation with something and it worked and it was pretty sad um, so one, one workaround, I'll, uh, I'll shut up in a second, but one workaround that uh, we, we found was if you specify, and this is from, think of it as a, a green person trying to get publication that really helped us, mention almost every vendor that you used um, in, in the space. And let me give you an example. Uh, we, we love Nobelis, we love Pierre Frey, we love Dadar and Hermes. Even if you put it uh, like half a yard on a pillow, we, at the beginning we were starting off, we'd use like these $500 yard fabrics. We'd stick it on a small thing just so we could mention their name and the project. And oddly enough, that would like, oh my God, they used Hermes. I, I don't know where it is. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it looks like, but there's Hermes somewhere in there. And that would get us, it was like a, it, it was interesting, but it, it, it got our uh, horse to the show and kind of got us moseying. So, and then now, we're a little bit more selective. We like to go with a local or a startup. Like our favorite magazine right now is uh, Mille Nuit and 
um, uh, Aspire Home uh, that has more of a semi-national um, syndication because of the content that they put in. But Can I just say one thing? If you're going to um, try and do publicity or any form of marketing, the best money you'll spend is on the photography because the days are completely over of a publication sending a photographer out at all, at every single level of publication, all the way up to AD online. Um, so, and a stylist, I think sometimes yeah. they help. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So photography, um, and then shoot it the way a magazine would. Shoot it with yourself in the room, yourself not in the room. Duplicate a lot of shots. If you have a dog, have a dog breeze through. That actually really helps. If you have a chicken, even better. Um, so don't skimp on photography. It's absolutely critical. And what you're saying is if you can provide the caption information, you just increase the odds one more time. The more you do the editor's job, the, the greater the chance of getting published. Can, can we just dig a little deeper into that for a second? Because you know, the, the chicken joke aside, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Kids and animals, right? Or MS? Well, I, when I was in college, I did real estate and I would uh, rent homes, and that's how I started start off in the design business. My clients and my real estate clients used to be my design clients. And the best thing to do to sell a house that's above five million is to put uh, uh, cinnamon sticks, a little bit of water in the oven. Everybody thinks you're baking something. And they just, they, their mouths start to water when they go through the kitchen and without. Uh, depending on what, which uh, target demographic of um, what, what, what part of the world your, your buyers are uh, from, but it, it really triggers certain emotions and feelings and they fall in love with certain things without realizing it. Backing up just a second, so photography can be expensive. With your projects, your projects, your projects, how many of them do you professionally shoot versus shoot yourself? All of them. Everything? Everything. I think you have to because then it's over. And you can't go back. You can't go back, right? And it's and I used to look at things more in pretty pictures <coughs> than until I started photographing for a book, which is a whole different like job because they want you to go and they want you to feel like you're in the room. So it's not you don't book a photographer for one day. You book him for two days always and get all the details and really try to tell the story and then go back and figure out what makes sense. But I feel like that's changed the projects that I'm doing currently a little bit because of the, um, how deeply you have to think about why everything fits together and making it as cohesive as possible and really telling a story throughout a home. Do you work your publicity rights into your contracts? As far as what? Photography. R rights, rights, to, rights to publish. Do you do rights yes. to publish with your photographer yeah. and with your client? Yeah, we do a, a total buyout. We do too, yeah. And we shoot a little bit different way. You know, you're talking about kids and animals, but you know, when you look at interior photos, I feel like they're all perfectly lit and a little bit flat. And so we really try to pay attention to the light in the room too. So if you don't have a model or someone, you know, styled a certain way or a cute dog or chicken, <laughs> um, I think that makes a big difference. And or also creating a like a little animated GIF someone just setting a bowl on the table or watching like light cross a wall in the room. It could just be a really small vignette. So I feel like we've been trying to get a little bit more creative with our photography. Um, and I, it, I feel like it's working. Um, you know when you um, order flowers 
and you say it's for a wedding, the price goes up three times. I think the same is true when you say photography and interior design. So one approach you could take, and you're not going to get the best, best, best product, but if you do your homework, you can get pretty close to it, is you can look at to um, real estate photographers. Their prices are about 60% less, and if you really look around, I'm happy to share of a couple really good ones. Um, the price is so much less. They don't do vignettes, so you have to art direct those, and you have to style everything yourself, but you guys are designers, so you can already do that. Um, so that's a really good um, way to get highly decent photography that's publishable at a much lower rate. That's really good. Any other, any other tips? Tricks, hacks, advice? Okay. So we've covered a lot of ground here. And I hope you've enjoyed this. So listen, a couple of things. First of all, um, I want to thank my panelists. Thank you guys very much. I really do appreciate your time here. Thank you. What I like to do, instead of going to questions after panels, I really want to give you an opportunity to meet the panelists. Because if you do have questions, I've always found that asking somebody a question to their face and getting a, a personalized answer is more impactful and it's always more special. I've always felt that way and so I want to give you that opportunity. So when we break, uh, my panelists have graciously offered to stick around for a little bit and, and talk to you and if you have some specialized questions, please bring them up. We've got some time for it. At the same time, uh, again, if you missed anything or you didn't get the notes, I'll be publishing these conversations probably starting in December or January. So go to Convo by Design, subscribe. You'll get them automatically when they come to you. At the same time, if you had a chance to visit our vignettes in the back, we had three remarkable designers create vignettes for you back there. Um, Nicolette Akito from Studio Akiko, sorry, Akiko, uh, Kevin Isbell from Kevin Isbell Interiors, and John McLean from... Uh, John McLean Designs, check them out. And um, also, the last thing I will tell you is we designed the panels today to be modular. So you got to hear a little bit about creating lines. The next panel, hosted, uh, moderated by Alexandra, Andrea, is um, what's my line? It's all about creating the line that you've always wanted to create. A little bit later, we've got a media masterclass about taking pictures and graphic design and graphic arts and sending out newsletters and that sort of thing. So please check the schedule and uh, join us for all the programming. Thank you again for taking the time to join us. It was, uh, it was great. I appreciate it. Thank you. That is a wrap. Uh, on this episode of Convo by Design, featuring a remarkable group of creators who are also making their brand development a priority. Thank you for the time, Alex, Cleo, Kian, and Jeff. And thank you for listening, downloading, subscribing, emailing, and coming out to our events. Without you, there is no Convo by Design. Please follow the podcast on Instagram, Convo by Design, with an X, and make sure you subscribe everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. That way, you'll receive new episodes on your mobile device the moment they're published. By the way, to make it even easier, Siri or Alexa, you could just say, hey Siri, play Convo by Design. And she will. It's fantastic. Until next week, keep creating. Mm -hmm.